It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. All right, welcome everybody to Locked On Lakers. I am your host, Harrison Fagan. I am filling in for Anthony Irwin all of this week because Anthony has decided he he literally ended our last Locked On Lakers, I think, was one, two, three, Hawaii. He wasn't kidding. He actually went to Hawaii the first week of the offseason so that I have to figure out ways to talk about this team by myself for the first week that no basketball is going on. I'm barely bitter. I guess I'm, I'm not really that bitter because it means that I get to have like actual talented co-hosts on with me. So joining me today is my my co-worker at Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane. How's it going, Trevor? Uh, going pretty well. So so you're filling in for Anthony, and technically I'm filling in for you. That's how this is working? Yes. We're both moving up a spot on the totem pole. So um, enjoy your 40% of revenue breakdown. All right. I'll be waiting for the check in the mail. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll let Anthony, I'll make sure that he gets that to you. Real quick, before we get started, like we just finished a locked on, we just finished on the Lakers Nation podcast discussing Isaiah Thomas, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Brooke Lopez, and whether or not like we think the Lakers should resign them, what their value was to the team this year, just kind of all of the context surrounding that. On this show, we're going to talk about Julius Randle his value to the Lakers this past season, whether or not we think he'll be back with the team long-term, all of the stuff about Julius Randle. And then we're going to wrap up this banner crossover event, like the most ambitious crossover since Marvel's Infinity War, with uh, (laughs) we're going to play a fun game that I kind of cooked up to just kind of figure out where we're prioritizing these various players, you know, for the Lakers' long-term goals. And so... Just real quick, as a reminder, you can find the show on Megaphone, Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Amazon's Alexa, uh, 
you know, Spotify, a, a lot of different places. Anthony normally does these reads at the beginning of the show, and so, like, that's why that sounded a little bit broken up. Um, so, Trevor, just, I guess, before I talk too much about Julius Randle, because I've already talked too much to start this show, what are your thoughts on Julius Randle? Just, like, the season he had, if you feel like the Lakers should re-sign him long-term, like, where you rank him among guys. It just overall, just, like, when you think of Julius Randle and his upcoming free agency, like, what are the first things that come to mind for you? I mean, well, first of all, I've said this a bunch of times over on the Lakers Nation podcast, but I'm on Randall Island. I am I'm fully on board with this guy. He has been so, so impressive this season. And I can say that I think what's impressed me the most is that mentally he stuck with it. In the beginning of the season, a lot of people forget about this, but at the beginning of the season, he was on the bench. Right? He was coming off the bench as a team six man. There were some nights he was only getting like 12, 13 minutes a game. And Luke Walton was was really just not giving him much opportunity to showcase his talents. I mean, Larry Nance Jr. was playing in front of him. Kyle Kuzma was blowing up. And those guys were taking away minutes from, from Randall. And he's in a contract year. He has literally millions of dollars on the line on this season. And he's watching his opportunities go away. And yet he managed to keep his head in it stay positive, and then when the opportunity was there for him, he took advantage of it. I mean, he was an absolute monster in the second half of the season. He was unstoppable. And if you look at him, you look at the way he played on the floor, it wasn't like he suddenly developed a right hand or he suddenly was able to shoot threes or anything. No, he just got really, really, really good at going to the left and got really efficient at it to the point where everyone on the floor knew where he wanted to go and knew what he wanted to do, but still couldn't stop it. And I think that's the mark of a, a great player is you've got somebody who is who it's clear what they want to do and nobody can do anything about it. I believe he talked about that was his specific like goals at exit yeah. interviews, right? Like that was something that Kobe told him to do was that like, you know, like everybody knew Kobe's game. They just couldn't stop it. He was good enough at it. And like this isn't to compare Randall to Kobe. He's not obviously as good as he was this year. He's not there yet, but he was really really good and like I think it I hadn't really thought about it the way that you described it that way before but you're right like he didn't do all of it like it's almost like us kind of people just sitting on Twitter like telling these players what they need to work on aren't don't always know everything because everyone said like he's not going to be a good NBA player unless he develops a shot or unless he develops a right hand and like all these kind of stereotypical basketball criticisms but he was like you know what like I'm not going to do any of that stuff like I'm still never going to touch the ball with my right hand and you know I'm going to take like seven threes the whole season that's just me guessing at that but like that's probably not too far off and he did all of that stuff and he got really 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 good at it and he became a like a good defender to boot that was the one thing that everybody did say that he would have to improve on that he actually did and he became like the Lakers like diet Draymond Green basically yeah exactly and that was the that was the one thing that he did change so his right hand didn't get much better if if at all his three-point shooting uh, did not get any better, sh- actually shot worse from three this season compared to the past two seasons. Uh, only shot 22% from three this season. So his three-point shooting actually took a little bit of a dip. But the defense, man, I mean, Julius Randle was not a good defender last season. He struggled. He would get he would get distracted. He wasn't making the right reads. He was uh, he wouldn't be a good, a good help defender last season. This season, I think part of it is he was in better shape, but he was doing a much better job protecting the basket. He was doing an awesome job when he came stepping out on, on the guard, switching into the pick-and-roll situation. That was the, a big part of the Lakers' scheme when he was on the floor playing center was to just switch everything, and his ability to do that was critical for that whole, that whole strategy. 
And so he was a better defender. I don't want to say he was like a great defender or anything like that. I know there was that quote from Luke Walton about a month ago where in the middle of a game he told Julius Randle that that he could be the best defensive player in the league. Randle's nowhere near that level, but he was a serviceable defender. He was not a bad defender, and that made a big difference in his uh, value as a player on the floor. Yeah, I think I want to get into a little bit more of that value and then where we have him pegged as part of the Lakers' long-term future plans here in a second. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, so you mentioned the defense stuff, Trevor, and I think that that's a big part of why the Lakers were better with Randall. And the, like, there were, so when you're a bad team and you're a lottery team, like the Lakers are, there are... Like most of the time, they're high usage players. They're going to have negative net ratings and they're going to have bad net ratings because the team on the season was outscored. And so that kind of makes sense. When you start to kind of like actually take notice of it is when Julius, like when a player is, the Lakers are still better with a player on the floor than they are with him off. And he's still playing most of their minutes and is like a high usage guy. And for Randall, that's the case. There are three guys on the Lakers that the team was better with on the floor than off the floor this season. It, it, like that were consistent role players. Like, uh, like shouts to Andre Ingram, but you know, I'm not factoring <laughs> him into this discussion with a two game sample size. Right. Um, so that was Randall, it was Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and it was Lonzo Ball. And Rand- the Lakers were only slightly better with Randall on the floor than off. They had a negative 1.3 with him on and a negative 1.5 net rating with him off. So that's only slightly better. But I do think that that's still notable because like Brooke Lopez, and we talked about on the Lakers Nation podcast, Randall was on the floor for all of that kind of late season bad stretch. And for the Lakers to still be better, despite him being a high usage, high minutes player during that stretch, is impressive to me, just like it is with Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And Lonzo Ball kind of gets the benefit of not playing during that and not having his metrics affected. But I think, like, the other thing is that Randall... He like he had the most he like most points per game, highest field goal percentage of his entire NBA career, highest offensive rebounding percentage, the best offensive and defensive ratings, his highest true shooting percentage, and he did all of that 
while posting the highest usage rate of his career. So not only he started using more possessions and somehow got more efficient, which is crazy. Like that never happens. Yeah, that was that was amazing. I couldn't believe how how good he got at scoring the ball in the post. I mean, we always said that long limb defenders were going to bother him because people, you know, would make fun of him and say he has T Rex arms or, or whatever. He's not quite at that level. He just has the wingspan of a normal person. Whereas most of the guys that you have in the NBA are are somewhat freakish in their wingspan. I mean, look at Brandon Ingram, and it looks like his arms just go on forever. I'm pretty He's sure not that like he can that. Touch his toes without bending over, but I'm not positive he, on that. He probably can, right? I mean, it's a, that's a little scary, but. But yeah, I mean, Julius Randle has that that slight deficiency there compared to a lot of NBA players, but he still found ways to score. His little left-hand hook was um, was really, really good, became really effective, and that was a problem with him in the past was his, you know, he would do a good job of getting inside, but then he was getting his shot blocked a lot, or he was getting his shot changed a lot, and he wasn't scoring, and I think a lot of it comes back to him just being in ridiculous shape. I mean, you saw him at the very beginning of the season with the transformation that he made over the summer, he looked like he was ready to step into a UFC fight or something like that. Like he looked that kind of just absolutely shredded. Step and that made a big a, difference. Ready to step into a UFC fight would have been a good clickbait headline for those like work, like those workout videos over the summer. I think like mine was like, it, like I think I titled it, it was like grittier than Rocky or something like that. Like, <laughs> like the grittiest off season workouts of all time. Like he was out there, like at first it looked like he was out like in an alleyway, just flipping tires. It turned out yeah. he was at like a very just gritty personal trainer's gym, but still like that was kind of that it was it was crazy and it was stark watching like the ways that he was getting in shape this was not like running on the elliptical or running on like yeah. you know an alter g or like some type of treadmill or whatever like in a training facility that's run by an nba team this was him out there flipping tires throwing ropes like all kinds of like gritty superhero vigilante workouts yeah he was developing not just strength but we're talking about functional strength here this is you know, I, I half expected to see like the Rocky style training montage where he's like, you know, lifting logs over his head and running up mountains and then screaming Drago at the top of them and stuff like that. Yeah, it was that was crazy. It was crazy. And so, like, you know, obviously, I think uh, would you agree that he was the Lakers' best player this year? Yeah, I mean, I would. I, and my only hesitation is because Brandon Ingram was so good. Yeah, um, I believe it was during the month of March. I want to say was his was his really good month when he was playing point guard for Lonzo Ball and he was getting like five boards, five assists a game and putting up 18 points. I thought he had a stretch there where he was just phenomenal. I thought he hit a really high level, but for the course of the entire season, yeah, I'd give it to Randall. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned that he played in all 82 games and he was the only Lakers player to do that. Yep. And like, I, I actually, for what it's worth, I agree with you on the, I think for that month or like month or so, Ingram was the Lakers best player, but I think on aggregate for the entire season, I would still say Randall because I think he was a better defender. I think overall he was a better offensive player, but not during that month where Brandon Ingram really hit his peak and like channeled his inner Kevin Durant for like about a month. And, um, you know, so with, with that kind of, you know, we're both agreeing on that. It's very rare that a player who everyone is agreeing is the team's best player is heading into not just free agency, but restricted free agency, mm -hmm. where it's all in the team's power to bring them back. And it's not a certainty that they'll be back. And so I guess, like, first of all, if you were running the front office, would you, like, absolutely prioritize making sure Randall's back over everything? Like, was he good enough for that? And if not, like, kind of where would you where would you slot him and how much do you think that he should be back? I mean, if you can get LeBron James and Paul George, then I think you kind of have to get LeBron James and Paul George. Yeah. Now, I think there's an interesting interesting discussion to be had about how much you're willing to pay to get a team to take Luol Deng 
if that means that you can bring back Julius Randle in addition to getting LeBron James and Paul George, even then the dollars are super, super tight. I don't even know if it, it quite works out, but he was he's good enough to where if you don't get one of LeBron James or Paul George, like let's say you let's say you get just Paul George and then you can bring back Julius Randle, I wouldn't feel that bad. You know, he was a he was a really good player. I'm not saying he was on LeBron's level or, or anything like that. But I think you could make an argument for a 23-year-old Julius Randle locked up long-term versus a 33-year-old LeBron James, even though LeBron is much, much better. Obviously, he's a he's one of the greatest players ever. But Randle, knowing that you can have him for the next 10 years or so if you're able to, to keep him around, I think there's, a, there's something to be said for that. And there's something to be said for the growth that Randle has shown with the Lakers. You know, one thing that people forget about is that he is actually the longest-tenured Laker right now even though the Lakers drafted him in 2014, everybody else is gone. So he's the guy who has been around the franchise the longest. He has been through a number of different coaches. He's seen all kinds of different things going on in and around this franchise. He's become part of the community in Los Angeles. And so I absolutely think there's value to keeping him around. So I would say that if you don't get, if you don't get LeBron, you don't get Paul George, Randall would be number three on my list there. Like I would rather have Julius Randle than, say, DeAndre Jordan or somebody like that who's also a free agent. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think that is a really, like, that is as solid of a plan B as you can have. I think the one kind of complicating factor is that, you know, like, Randle might sign somewhere while mm-hmm. LeBron, while you're waiting out LeBron James and Paul George. And that's something, like, where the Lakers, very realistically, they could air here. Yeah, and you know what? We've uh, I talked about this with uh, with Eric Pincus of Ble- Bleacher Report, who was on our show, and we figured out that essentially the Lakers will have until July eighth to make a decision on Julius Randle if he signs at the earliest possible moment. So yeah. uh, because he's a restricted free agent, a team could be talking with him on July first. He could come to a verbal agreement with them, but he can't actually sign that till the moratorium ends, which I believe is July sixth. And then they'll have 48 hours to decide whether or not they want to match. So essentially, Paul George and LeBron James, the Lakers could wait for an entire week, for, for eight days really, before they have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to you know, go ahead and sign George and James or if they're going to just you know, say peace out and, and stick with Randall. Hopefully, George and or James will make their decision before then, but there's no guarantee that's what's going to happen. I think most of the time, like those star guys, they know that the rest of the league is waiting on them. They like respect that, and they want to get right. their decision done. Like They don't want to get it done at midnight on the first night of free agency, but you know, generally, I think within four or five days, most of the time, we know where these guys are going. Well, and here's the thing too. Like, if I'm if I'm LeBron James and I'm even remotely considering coming to the Lakers, Julius Randle blew up against the Cleveland Cavaliers this season. Like, he's the guy that I'd be asking about. If I'm LeBron James, if I'm Paul George, I'd be saying, "Hey, if I sign with you guys, I'm going to be playing with Julius Randle, right? You guys aren't just going to let him walk out the door." Yeah, I think that's absolutely a fair point. And so, I think like to that point in a second here I do I want to talk about like we're going to value we're going to play a game and value these Lakers free agents and see you know where we would rank them basically which ones would be our priority I think it's pretty obvious that Randall would be our priority in most cases but we're going to play a game kind of based around that this here in a second this is Jake from Locked On Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so Trevor, I I have a game ready for us to play to kind of wrap up this discussion on Lakers free agency and all of this stuff. So, and I'm actually, you know, like I've heard from a completely unverified, non-reliable source that is my imagination that this is how the Lakers front office actually decides on free agents. And so, like, it's it's a game kind of similar to, we've all played it, Mary, um, we'll say <laughs> F, uh, kill. That works. And so it's long-term deal, one-year max, and part ways. And so I'll, I'll let you go first. So if we're doing long-term deal, one-year max, and part ways with these three players, where would you have them? KCP, Brooke Lopez, and Isaiah Thomas. Okay, so here's what I'm gonna what I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with uh, long-term deal. I'll go I'll go Brooke Lopez, assuming we can say long-term is sort of flexible. There, we'll say say a two to three year. I don't think I would go to four years with him. I think um, two to three years is fair. We'll we'll just that's to, fair. like just to wrap up the premise of the game, it's at least two to three years. That, I okay. think that's fair. Okay, then yeah, that would that would go to Brooke Lopez. One year deal. Um I will go Oh gosh, it would depend on if the Lakers got Paul George or not. But I guess I'll go KCP just because he was better this season than than Isaiah Thomas was, and that would mean that Isaiah Thomas we would be parting ways with. At least that's the way I would rank it. Okay, so I'm close to the same to the same as you i'm going to go ahead and part ways with isaiah thomas in that scenario and in i think most scenarios the lakers should probably part ways with isaiah thomas but i'm gonna i'm gonna flip just for the sake of argument so and not just for this is actually kind of what i believe so Mm -hmm. long-term deal i would give to kcp and i think it's because not only was he better than lopez this season but he was he's also younger and so theoretically like there's a chance that he continues to improve and in today's NBA you can never have enough usable wings. And so I think and like Anthony is going to like well actually he's not going to listen to this podcast cuz he's not on it and he's a narcissist. But <laughs> like uh, you know that's a flip from a couple weeks ago when I was saying like I would probably keep Thomas over KCP, but you know after thinking about it more after digging into the numbers and watching more game of the Lakers without Isaiah Thomas, I I, I just think like KCP would be the guy that I'd go long-term for there. Okay. I mean, let me – just a quick rebuttal here. I feel sure. like with, with Brooke Lopez, the the other thing that I'm looking at is scarcity. 
there's not many bigs that can step outside and shoot the three the way he yep. does. I mean, you can you can get some power forwards that can masquerade as centers and they can step outside and shoot it, but but true big men, guys that can get in there and bang with some of the best in the league, um, there's not very many of them, whereas I feel like you can find guys like KCB, certainly can find guys like Isaiah Thomas scoring guards to, to come off the bench. So I took I took that into account too. I think Brook Lopez gets some extra points just for scarcity. I think that's a, that's a totally fair point. And like to, I'm you know we're splitting hairs hairs here on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, KCP and Lopez were both very helpful one year guys for the Lakers. I just think like as far as like Lopez and spreading the floor goes, like ideally. You know, it, like the Lakers want Thomas Bryant to take on a little bit more of those responsibilities next season. Asking him to be the full-time starter, I think, would be a little bit premature, but we'll see how the summer goes. Um, but I think, you know, you can kind of Frankenstein a big rotation together a little bit just because of, especially if you re-sign Randall, how much you're going to be playing him at small ball center anyway, especially on a team that has James and George, I, you know, in theory, you would like have probably go small with those three guys on the floor and Lonzo and, you know, maybe in this world, KCP. All right. So is it my turn to throw three at you? Uh, you know, well, I actually had three more. So I was just oh, I had a couple three more. different okay. like groups of guys that I was going to go through. So this one, I kind of knew that both of us would cut out Isaiah Thomas. And so I wanted yeah. to make it a little bit like a little bit harder and just go Randall KCP Lopez. I, I didn't okay. realize going into this that you were going to be as high on Randall as you were in the earlier segment. I think we may have similar ones on this one. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely going to go Randall with a long term deal. Um, there's there's no question there. Uh, one year, then I guess I'll I'll stick with the way I went before, and I'll go I'll go Lopez, and then and then KCP. We would part ways with, and again, I'm I'm putting more value into into scarcity there. I'm assuming that we can find another player that can kind of do what KCP does. And I will also say this: we may already have that player in Josh Hart. Yeah, that's true. And like Josh Hart is a guy that like the same as Thomas Bryant and probably even more so that the Lakers will want to find more minutes for. So that's totally fair. I will continue with the priority that I had in the last one other than, you know, Randall goes to that long term deal. So he bumps everybody down a spot. Now, this one is a little bit more Lakers fringe player centric one because we didn't talk a whole lot about these guys on this podcast yet, but they were part of the Lakers kind of you know, like long-term, they were part of like their season this year and they were big parts of it. So we'll talk a little bit about them. So long-term deal, one-year max and part ways, Avica Zubats, Thomas Bryant, and Alex Caruso. Like, oh, assume it, like, because most, like Thomas Bryant, obviously the Lakers, they don't have to make a decision on this summer, but theoretically he could be a guy that gets let mm-hmm. go for like these free agency plans or, you know, something like that. So we're just talking about like in like kind of a nebulous in theory world, like which one of these guys are you valuing most? All right. Well, in, in my, in my opinion, you're looking at these guys just based on their upside. You're not necessarily looking at, at who they are right now. I mean, Alex Caruso was a useful player in small, small doses this season. Davidsa Zubats had flashes later on in the year, but, but struggled for much of it. Um, I think based on potential, I think either the top spot you've got to give to, to Thomas Bryant because of what he can do with stepping out and shooting the three. He's not there yet. He's not ready for, for major minutes right now, but down the road, 
he could become a very, very, very useful piece. He was um, incredible in the like we're we're aligned on this one, and like he was incredible in the G League this year, like better than right. Zubots even was last year. And so like the, for all the people screaming like, oh well, Zubots was good in the G League last year too. It's not the same thing. Like Thomas no. Bryant, well, like Zubots was a pretty good player in the G League last year, but like he would still get benched down the stretch for the defenders to go small. Thomas Bryant was so good that the South Bay Lakers couldn't take him off the floor this year. Like they would they would stay big down the stretch even. When when other teams went small because he was one of the best players in the G League period as a rookie. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be – I think he's probably – I haven't put a lot of thought into this, but he's probably the player that I'm most excited to see get run in uh, in Summer League in Las Vegas this year. Yeah. I mean, it's him or Hart. Like, yeah, either one of those like two. Or the two guys. Like, you know, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, honestly, on Bryant because he was good there last year. And just the energy that he had while getting mm-hmm. high minutes was fun to watch. And, like, you know, especially now that he's really refined that three-point stroke and he's going to, like, step out and shoot it during Summer League even. Like, I think we're, we're going to have a little bit of Bryant sanity in Las Vegas. Oh gosh, I couldn't I couldn't believe it too. Like when we I mean just for entertainment value, when he got into it, gosh, was that Sam Decker that he was like he was doing the shoulder shrug too? Yes. The other night. Oh my gosh, that was just that I'm was phenomenal. You, like, he's feisty, man. Like and you know, like the Las Vegas that. Summer League crowd is gonna be going crazy for Thomas Bryant. Like they're gonna we're eat gonna, it up. It, like since it's the dead of summer and otherwise all that's to talk about is baseball, we will get a first take debate on better Lakers Bryant, Thomas or Kobe. <laughs> that's that's going to happen yeah there's there's no doubt there um so i guess i should probably an agreement on that like who would you go like who, who's next like who would you give the one like who would you keep for next year and who would you let go out of zubots and caruso which is actually kind of fitting because these two guys this is actually an option for right um i guess i would keep zoo around just because I, we saw such great potential from him in his rookie season and then we saw some flashes last year he seems to have a pretty good understanding of what went wrong this season as far as his conditioning and everything goes. And so I think with that in mind, he's going to be able to, to really work this summer, and we're going to see a better Evita Zubats next season. He still has a lot of talent, a lot of potential, so I'll stick with him. I, I'd hate to see Alex Caruso go because I I enjoy watching him play. I think he's done great things, but I think ultimately he's, re, re, he's replaceable. You can find a guard who can do things that Alex Caruso can do. And that's not to say you can't find bigs too, but... I just tend to give the give a little bit more priority to a big like Zubats, who in theory has a soft touch around the basket, can step outside a little bit, and can block shots. So I'm actually inclined to agree with you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, and like again because I'm glad that Anthony's not going to listen to this, and I can't believe that you're gonna make me argue against Zubats, but. <laughs> I think, like, bigs are argue—I would actually argue that bigs are more replaceable in the modern NBA, and to have two roster spots on seven-footers that are both projects long-term, I think is going to be tough, especially if the Lakers are somewhat of a contender next year. And so I do think that there is a possibility that they have to move on from Zubox, and, you know, maybe the point guard market dries up in free agency, and they end up having to bring back Big Balderbrand. But, um— Otherwise, I'm just like, I mean, I'd probably lean in like in a vacuum towards Zoo just because of how much promise he showed last year. But I I think it's close. And I think that that's kind of a testament to how bad Zubots played this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Zoo, I mean, everybody was expecting good things out of him this season, especially how with how good he was the season before. He just it just wasn't there. I mean, we saw it in summer league last year. Just the the conditioning was not good. He looked slow. Everybody else was just flying past him. And uh, that's all stuff he's going to have to rectify 
this summer. Otherwise, he's really looking at being out of the NBA. Yeah, I think so. And so, like, that, that I think, wraps up that one. So this is we're going to end on this. And this okay. is to go back because we didn't really talk too much about the Lakers' young guys. And so we're going to play – we're going to steal a game from Limited Upside, actually, and play Max Trade Wave. And so in like three years or so, three or four years when the Lakers are actually having to make this decision, um, Max Trade Wave, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart. Ooh. Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart. Uh, um, Kill me on that one. Okay, I guess I'll do... I'm just going to whatever... Whoever you say to Wave, I'm just going to like isolate that clip and just throw that out on Twitter. Trevor Lane says like Wave, so-and-so. <laughs> perfect that's that's great that's not going to get me in any trouble whatsoever no, i'm gonna tmz you i'm sorry this is like, a dog <laughs> eat dog world out here who needs context um okay so max trade wave i guess i will go okay for this lakers team kyle kuzma was better than lonzo ball this last season but i'm gonna say lonzo is the guy you max because he's the he's what you're trying to accomplish right his his playing style is the whole team's identity they want to be a good team defensively and then they want to get out and run the fast break that's what magic johnson said were the team's goals for this season was to improve their defense and then run like crazy and i think lonzo is the guy that helps you do that so in terms of value to the lakers i'm gonna go with the the max to lonzo I guess that means I'm trading Kuzma, um, even though I feel dirty even saying that because he was so good. But, uh, okay, but yeah, so I guess I'm you traded that where you said I'm trading Kuzma. I'm just like cutting that part, Perfect. and I'm just going to throw it out there. Awesome. Yeah, let's let's trade him for just an expiring contract, or maybe a <laughs> maybe a top thirty-five protected pick. I'm gonna, let's throw I'm that in. This podcast so badly, you're gonna, you're going to be sorry <laughs> about this one. <laughs> and then I guess I guess that means you have to waive Josh Hart. But again, going back to scarcity, I think. It's not easy to find three and D wings. It's it's extremely difficult, but you know, I guess that's that's what I would go with just because I think you could get something back for Kuzma if you trade him, you could probably get more than you could for Josh Hart, but but man, that that's a painful choice there to end on Harrison. Yeah, I mean, I I so I I'll actually I'll go the other way. I I will go La- Max Lonzo because no, actually, you know what? I'm going to go Max Kuzma. I'm going to go trade Lonzo while his value is still high because I think you could get more back for him. And then I'll I'll wave heart, as sad as that is to say. Can you get more back for Lonzo than, than Kuzma at this I point? Think, with, I think in like three years when we're making this decision, you'd be able to get okay. more back for Lonzo. And maybe the Lakers have already signed like other kind of free agent sure. stars by that point. And so, like, I don't know, maybe Kuzma fits in better alongside those guys, and you can trade Lonzo to a team that can kind of make him the centerpiece. I don't know. Like, I think Is LeVar Ball still in the picture? I think that's the deciding factor. Yeah, here. that too. I guess, like, a, do, how much do you want to get rid of? A, you, actually, wave Lonzo. I think I'll say that, <laughs> I'll say that one. No, okay, so this was, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we had to make some hard choices at the end, uh, play a little bit. Like, I channeled my inner jigsaw and tried to make that last game like kind of painful for us. Um, Trevor, thank you for coming on the show. You can find Trevor at, at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter. Trevor, do you have anything coming up for the offseason that you want to plug? Or like, are you just like, like me and fearing what we're going to have to write about for the next couple weeks before draft stuff starts up? Well, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. And there's going to be some some lean times coming up here, especially the month of August is probably my least favorite once we get that after is the draft. The and it's, it, writing, writing so-and-so Laker posts so-and-so on Instagram is like, for like 90% of the posts in August is like never going to be my, like my favorite thing. 
No. Yeah, that's that's a rough time. But um, but as far as coming up goes, I know we're going to be doing individual player breakdowns on LakersNation.com, and I'm going to be doing a lot of those. So that's going to be coming. Um, we'll do some in-depth analysis of each player and figure out how they did how they did this season. And um, other than that, just go check out the, uh, the Lakers Nation podcast, Harrison, with the best on uh, part one of this show. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on, Harrison. Always a good time. No, it's always it's always fun doing this crossover. And, like, I, I will always treasure the ones that we do without Anthony in here, like, spewing hot takes and <laughs> saying things like to trade Kyle Kuzma like you just did, but, like, actually being serious because he's a contrarian and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely something that well it's kind of like if you if you move LeVar Ball out, right? I mean it's kinda of on that, that level. If you get rid of LeVar Ball, Anthony is the LeVar Ball of, of Lakers Twitter podcasts. So um again, thank you everyone for tuning in. I will have another guest coming up here on Wednesday. I'm you know, I'm like juggling some names right now. We're gonna sit we'll see who it is, but thank you for listening to Locked On Lakers and I will talk to you later. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.